Hey everyone out there, how's it going? Welcome to Screenspeak. It's the podcast that's all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson, this is my podcast, and I want to thank you today for coming by and giving this episode a listen. Thank you so much for doing that. Really, really seriously appreciate it. I'm not, I'm not just saying that either. I know I start off most of my episodes by saying that, and you know, it sounds like a gimmick, like, oh, thanks for being here, everybody. But for real, sincerely, if you can hear the authenticity that's in my voice right now, I really do appreciate that you are checking out this podcast today. So thank you very much for doing that. If it's your first time coming by and checking out the podcast, welcome to it. Happy to have you here. Go ahead and hit the follow button while you're here before you get too far in, just so that you don't miss out on any future content and you help build this podcast and keep it growing at the pace it's at right now, which I might add is steady, and that's in no small part thanks to you, my listeners out there, so thank you very much. And if you are coming back and listening to this episode and you've been here before, well, thank you for coming and checking out episode 70. Can you believe it's been 70 episodes of this already? That is crazy. Uh, definitely more to come, but it always feels good when you hit a, a milestone number. Not, not that 70 is a milestone number, I guess. It's like it's, you know, it's an even number, uh, but still, it's got a, nice, got a nice round sound to it. So I, I'm happy that you're here for that and, I, and I'm appreciating the number 70. Not as good as 69. That's... <laughs> uh, <laughs> That was supposed to be my terrible knee slap dirty joke, uh, and 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 it, it didn't really go anywhere except into your eardrums. So uh, thanks for thanks for being here while I did that. Okay, <clears throat> so if you have listened to Screen Speak before, you will recognize the guest that I have on today. It's Bruce Michael Jr. or I just call him Bruce. Never call him Jr. Uh, I'm not sure what would happen if you called him Jr. Uh, probably nothing. I'm sure he's heard it before, uh, but I just call him Bruce. Bruce has been on the podcast a couple of times before. He was actually living in the Iowa area for a good while. That's how we first met. Uh, he was a film student at the University of Iowa there, and he had made some shorts. Uh, but sadly, uh, more for myself because you know I can't see him in person now, he has decided to leave Iowa, uh, and he went to the state of Oregon. Uh, so I catch up with him there, talk with him about what's going on with his life since he's moved out there, what he thinks about it there. Uh, and more importantly, we talk about what he has going on next with his aspirations in filmmaking. Uh, he has a new short that he's working on called La Pan. Uh, I won't really get into it here because he gets into it plenty when we talk about it in this episode, but I'm excited to hear what he has, uh, cooking for that. And I think he actually has uh, some really interesting things going on with that project and hearing how he's piecing it together at this stage of production. Uh, I actually felt really interesting. So, and I think you will too. I think you will too. Uh, we talk about a lot of other things too. We just talk about the, the challenges of making a feature into a short, because uh, originally he took this story, uh, wrote it out as a feature, but is now putting it into a short. Uh, because if, if this is news to you out there, it's expensive to make movies. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, we have tools these days that you can take a phone and you can record something and cut it together with some, you know, easy free editing software online. But does that really make it a movie? Does that give it that that cinematic quality? It's not for me to say, but it's just for you to ponder. You know what I mean? Uh, but let's see. We talk about a lot of other things. Uh, we talk about how film guilds work and how uh, people that are in his line of work will typically try to submit their ideas uh, not their ideas, they'll submit their stories that they've uh, written out over to Guild for protection and um, and representation, is what I'm trying to say. 
we talk about a handful of miscellaneous topics as well. Uh, just talk about uh, collaboration and film. We get into uh, some physical media, actually a little bit. We talk about the Paul Thomas Anderson movie, Licorice Pizza. Talk a bit about the Criterion Collection. Uh, and then we kind of just wrap things on actually talking about the upcoming 2023 Oscars. Uh, some of those movies that have been coming out for that. And just sort of the the state of that award show as it is today. So... Uh, I, I don't think I need to I don't think I need to say anything else. I think you get the picture and you're just ready to hear this conversation play out. So without any further ado, this is my conversation with my friend and uh, hopefully you know future PTA himself, uh, Bruce Michael Jr. even that far into it but it, it has been for sure yeah i like your hat you. like oh, your hat you. got a comment on that did you order that on their website yeah i did uh, a couple of years ago like when i went to film school i was like i'm gonna be that guy <laughs> there's a specific guy that that wears the a24 hat uh just you know letting people know where i'm coming from mentally like my I approach like... i guess <clears throat> I feel like I, I really would like to wear like more movie related like merch like things like that because like I used to when I was younger I'd wear you know like uh, like a Jaws t-shirt or something like really obvious like that but I'd like to wear like more understated movie merchandise stuff uh, but I, I don't really see that much of it unless I guess I, don't, I go online. I don't know that A24 qualifies for that anymore. I think it's uh, <laughs> it, it's definitely a recognizable brand now right? I feel like I would it is. assume. I mean, even like amongst like the casual moviegoer, they've by now seen their logo pop up enough. Um, and yeah. I mean, especially around award seasons, because I feel like a few of the Oscar movies this year are A twenty four movies, that, or at least ev- every everything everywhere all at once is. I know that. I don't know if the other yeah, ones yeah. are, but um, anyway, man, just what's what's been going on? How is uh? Actually, I was thinking about this before we're <laughs> recording. This is so stupid. Uh. Is it Oregon or like Oregon? Like I, I feel like I never like say the state that you're in like correctly. I feel like my pronunciation's always a little bit off. I just I think it's Oregon. Just Oregon. Not like yeah, Oregon. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. It's so stupid. Not that I, I, I know. Dumb. <laughs> not that I've heard. Yeah. Oregon. Well I well, I guess what what's I mean, what's it like out there? How's everything been getting set up oh, for you? Oh man. It's beautiful out here. I think the PNW is um, really underrated and undervalued. I think it gets a bad rap for being cloudy and rainy all the time, which is not actually true. Mm-hmm. I know, uh, well, climate change is, you know, shifting the climates around everywhere. So I feel like when I got here, I, we got here in October and they had a record amount of sunny days for that month ever. So it was like something like 18 consecutive days of sun, which is, again, a record for that month. Um, And it was hot as hell. I know I went and saw the Portland Timbers, the soccer MLS soccer team here, and I got a sunburn and that was in October. So, again, like the trees are gorgeous because of the rain. Um, It just looks like different than any other part of the country. It actually reminds me a lot of New Zealand 
this part of the country because there's a lot of mountains and hills. Nothing is really flat at all. Right. And and then <clears throat> I think climate wise, Oregon is the most diverse state in the country because we have desert, we have tropical. So mm-hmm. Portland is technically tropical by really climate. Yeah. By climate scientists, they consider Portland area to be a tropical climate, which is which is why it rains so often here. And mm-hmm. then we had the beach, of course, and then we had the mountains in the northeast of the state. It's just really beautiful. Yeah. And, yeah. and how's well, how's your wife like it? She loves it. I don't think she wants to leave, <laughs> uh, according to her. Because uh, uh-huh. I'm, you know, at this point. I guess this is a good segue into, like, I don't know why we're here necessarily. We're just here to talk. But um, I'm. I, I haven't seen you for a while, but then I also know I'm <laughs> like I got I got movie updates I can share with you. I I know you have a short that you are either working on right now or you're trying to work on it. So like I'm just curious to listen to you talk about that stuff too. Well, that's what I was going to segue into. Because, oh, okay. Well, then know, perfect. The... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The conversation here. So here's what happened. Yeah, I wrote this screenplay. It's a feature screenplay. Obviously, we don't have the funds to make a feature. So we're making a short to put the film festival circuit and then chase funding down to make the feature. Okay. So I had to rewrite the feature as a short and try to condense and put as much as I can into a short without like losing. Okay. Obviously, when you write a short from a feature, you have to change a lot of things and like drown a lot of your babies. You can't have everything in the short. That doesn't make sense. That's very, so, very like I'm just I'm sorry. I, I pictured the image of you drowning children or, or, or little babies. I'm just like, God damn, that's a dark analogy. I, but I, I get I just, it. <laughs> that's my religious, uh, you know. That's the thing I do every Sunday morning. Well, but, well, wait, um, well, well, wait. Let me ask the the feature. So, I mean, as far as like a script on that like how long was that like originally 90 pages okay and do you already have it whittled down into a short yeah so now it's de- so i have a feature version of the script that's okay. already registered registered with the writers guild and then i rewrote it as a short and registered that with the guild as well but that's only 15 pages because we're okay. planning on doing so like one page of a screenplay is one minute on screen oh, okay that's actually yeah, that's useful to know, actually. I wouldn't have thought about that, but that, that makes yeah. sense. It doesn't perfectly work out that way, but on yeah. average, that's the case. Mm-hmm. So we were like, <clears throat> my producer, um, Ellie Darcy Alden, we sat down to determine, like, okay, we by SAG rules, we can only spend $50,000 on the short. So it was like, okay, what? how long can we make the short within this mm-hmm. budget? And it came out to about 15 minutes. We can afford to make a 15-minute film. Mm-hmm. So this is – it also falls under the guidelines of submitting to Cannes Film Festival and, you know, Turin and, I don't know, name it, Sundance, everything. Everything that we plan to apply for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that worked well, I got, out. I- well, I got two, I got two questions. Uh, one, I mean, I want to know, of course, what's the, you know, what's it about, you know, this, the the whole plot of it, the, you know, the story, right? I want to know that. Uh, but then you mentioned submitting it to the Writers Guild, and I just think that'd be interesting to talk about, like, just that process of why you have to do it, how that works, whole thing. Well, okay, so what was your first question again? Sorry. <laughs> first question. What was no, it about? 
What was it? About? Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. yeah. Just what's the right. short about? Because we're getting into like the logistics of like how it gets produced, but I, I just want to know what it's about first. So it's about a footballer with a chronic foot injury that gets hooked on pain meds and starts drinking, which his father used to do as well. Um, and then he starts sleepwalking and picturing his girlfriend's pet rabbit speaking to him in Greek mythology and stuff like because he has an Achilles injury. Okay. So at some point he at you know, the rabbit goats him into chopping off his foot, which is uh rabbit's foot. I'm using the rabbit's foot superstition in this story. Okay. So he chops off the foot and then comes to and now him and his girlfriend have to work out what this all means and it magically heals his foot and he's able to play well again. So now we just to clarify too when you're saying football, is this uh American football, football or soccer football, football? I mean world football. Uh, I, I, I assume that's what you meant, but I'm like, <laughs> I better clarify. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. World football. I apologize to the Americans out there. No, you're good. Sport they played is not football because you don't play it with your feet. But anyway. It, exactly. I, I digress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the, this uh, rabbit thing, because I, I was not expecting uh, you to kind of go down that road. I think I saw on your Instagram, though, you, you had posted something with like a rabbit on there. Uh, but mm-hmm. my immediate question I have to ask is just from a short perspective, how how do you pull off the rabbit part of it? Well, I don't want to give away too much. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say, yeah, don't yeah, no, no, no spoilers. <laughs> but like, I just I'm like, because uh, I'm like, I like, do you like CG a rabbit? Do you get an actual rabbit? I'm like, nope. <laughs> what do so, you do? That's actually one of the logistical nightmares we're having because yeah. we want to use a live rabbit on set. Okay. Well. The problem with that is that it's fucking expensive. Uh, one day was going to cost us $8,000. Who do you even contact to, to lease out a rabbit? So, oh, okay. So this was what I was going back to at the beginning of the conversation with the segue. Yeah, is that yeah. I have learned that you just don't get what you want when you're making a movie. You have to make a lot of concessions. So one of the things that was important to me in making this film, and hopefully when I make the feature, it'd be different. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I had to concede was filming here in Portland because I wrote it as a player that plays for Portland Timbers, but has ambition to play in Europe, which is the most important region of the world for world football. Mm -hmm. So that's where all the elite players go. They don't play in MLS. So Anyway, he was supposed to be in Portland playing for Portland, and I wanted the aesthetic of Portland because I think it fits better for what I want to do. And I'm just tired of every movie being L.A. and New York City. You know, the the third best option, I guess, is Chicago or Vancouver, Canada. Like we get these all movies looking the same aesthetically. So it's important to me as a filmmaker to do different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least film in different cities so things look a little different um but, but i couldn't like it was just going to cost too much to pull everyone up here versus i'm the only portland-based person in the film so why would we pull everyone up here pay for hotels pay for per diem pay for this pay for that mm-hmm. like it just in the end it made more sense to film in la and that's why we get so many movies and shows set in LA because that's where everyone is. A fisherman must live by the sea. So at some point, the conversation in this house is, well, I think I got to move to LA. Unfortunately, like Mm -hmm. I just think that's 
that's just the reality of the business. Like it is what it is. And yeah, at some point that probably happens because it's just impossible as an independent filmmaker to make fil- not impossible. Yeah. But it, it's really difficult. If you're going to make a SAG project, which is what this is, we're filing for SAG. Yeah. So, and I, and I want to know about that too, like how that works. So um, the Screen Actors Guild, SAG, is yeah. just a, it's a union for actors and all mm. quality actors, like most quality actors that have at least have some experience yeah. are a part of are a part of SAG because it's their union. Yeah. So yeah. in order to have SAG actors on your project, which is <clears> ideal, <throat> is then you're getting the creme de la creme of actors, right? Like, quote unquote. Sure. Um, you need to file for SAG, uh, like to make sure that your project is SAG approved and then uh-huh. you can follow the footsteps and then you can get SAG actors on your project. Otherwise, you're a- going to have to find actors locally and source yeah. it differently. And you and you mentioned the Writers Guild submission as well. The Writers Guild is the same. So it's just okay. a union for writers. Uh, if I don't file my screenplays under the guild, then they're not protected product. Um, but now there's an actual number associated with my screenplay. It's protected. It's my work. If someone steals it, I can take them to court, yada, 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 yada. And, and is that, I mean, I'm sure there's several reasons of why you actually go through the submission, but is that like one of the prominent ones is just protection of the property? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Now, I guess, you know, how, where are you at? I guess like in the production of this right now. Uh, we're shooting in May okay. and we just put out, so my producer is actually my co-lead, Ellie Darcy Alden. She was in Harry Potter and, uh, Doctor Who and a bunch of other things. Like she's in London. Mm-hmm. Ba- she was London based. Now she moved to LA. So right. see where <laughs> with that, um, <laughs> but we all end up in LA. That's the point. Um, so she's my co-lead. We just put out a casting call for the the lead mm-hmm. um, and for the other parts. So we're in the middle of the casting process now, <clears throat> uh, which is a lot of fun, but also terrifying. <laughs> are, uh, now it, well, I was going to say, are, are you responsible for, you know, all the casting or I mean, who's helping you make the decisions or is obviously, this all you? Obviously, as director, I have the main say, but, yeah. you know, that's. That's where I'm because this is my first real film uh, mm-hmm. and it's not a student film. This is where I am deciding what kind of director I'm going to be. And one of the things that's important to me is uh, be a true collaborator and get opinions from everyone in the production team on every part of the process. I don't dictate anything now. Ultimately, I have to make the decision as director, but I still value everyone's opinions and everyone's thoughts at every stage of the process. So I I just don't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? That's not Mm -hmm. what I want. That's super exciting, though, man. I mean, I know you had, you know, worked on shorts previously, but now you're in a totally different location. Um, Obviously, I'm sure putting it all together outside of the student system, as you said, is just different. Um, but I, I'm super excited for you. I mean, when when can people, I guess, expect to, you know, either hear more about it or I mean, I, I eventually imagine that you'll start, you know, putting the word out more about it and everything like that. Yeah. So it'll take a while. A, 
Yeah, it's going to take a while. Uh, the thing that I don't think a lot of people understand or appreciate how long it takes to make a film. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about a 15 minute short. Like, I finished mm-hmm. writing the feature back in October, <clears throat> got Ellie on board in November, and we're just now casting in March and with the plan to shoot in May. And mm-hmm. this is for a 15 minute short, it's not even a feature. Sure. And then, after that, the post-production is a whole other animal that's, like, incredibly crucial. Like, yeah. it's ni- it's nice when you get the shots perfect in camera, but that doesn't happen. So yeah. you have to send it to an editor. I mean, this stuff is probably obvious to a lot of people, but, like, color correction yeah. comes into play. Sound production, sound design comes into play. We just hired someone from Berkeley College of Music to do sound design for us. Mm-hmm. So just an incredibly bright young woman. Um, and then we got a composer from Germany who's doing theater stuff in London. So he mm-hmm. designed the score for us already. He has most of it done already, and it's fucking incredible. I'm so excited about it. That's um, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that was someone Ellie knew through the theater system in London. So yeah. I just got, I hit a home run. <clears throat> I didn't even do anything. It's just like, that's life, right? It's all networking. And me meeting yeah. Ellie is so crucial in this process because she yeah. has so many connections because of her career um and she's so fucking smart man like honestly mm. again i'm just blessed to have met ellie um well and i imagine this is going to be such a i mean like anything but this experience is going to be so crucial for yourself and you're going to walk away with so much more information than than when you came into it and, and yeah, i'm sure already. And, and i'm yeah and i'm sure you're already like having things yeah. happen where you're like i would never have anticipated that no, yeah, 100%. Like, this is way harder than I anticipated. Uh, there, it's, And there's just so, so many decisions that have to be made and so many things to think about and process. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, do you uh, find, uh, do you find, I guess, that, you know, like you're, you said that you're going to be starting production, like, what, in around May, right? Yeah. Uh, do you feel ever like pressure on that time? I mean, cause I feel like most creatives, most artists, you know, time is always the enemy, you know, you, you always wish you could do this or that, but eventually you got to just act and, and, and go with what's, no. what's there. Honestly, Ellie and I joke all the time that <clears throat> we just want to do it now. Like we're just so excited. <laughs> We've been waiting for so long. Like it's yeah, because the other thing to consider, too, is the reason we're shooting in May is because that's when actors are available. Like right now, actors are going through pilot season. And what that means is a lot of actors are being cast into these quote unquote TV shows. They're filming pilots. This is pilot season. They're filming pilots to send to networks to hopefully sell them as shows and get mm-hmm. on a network. Um so that's why we chose May because it's sort of a a very short dead period mm-hmm. to get quality actors on the project because they don't have a lot going on at that particular time period. Mm-hmm. The other time period it's like November December time frame if you can wing it, but we that was just too short of a notice for us. Right. So um yeah, that's why we're shooting in May as much as we would like to just start shooting now and we're ready <laughs> and not completely ready, but like Yeah, we, but <clears throat> excited 
Well, and also, too, I mean, I, I and I know how deeply you care about this, where it's like, if you're going to do it, you know, you want to do it right. You know, you, you want to get things lined up, because as you mentioned, and I appreciate that you're mentioning all these things that go into just making, like you said, 15 minutes of, of screen time. Um, mm-hmm. That is not something that, you know, seemingly gets rushed and, and you have a lot of moving parts that you have to stay on top of. So it's it's a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, I didn't help myself, right? Because I wrote a story involving a live rabbit and... You, you sure did. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. So on top of the live rabbit, because what we're doing to the rabbit, not in reality, so uh-huh. please under please understand that. Um, we got a prosthetics artist that worked on Boba Fett, the Disney plus the Star Wars show. So uh-huh. she's doing the prosthetics for us. She's making the fake rabbit. I mean, we're going to use a live rabbit, but in some scenes we need a fake rabbit. And yeah. then because of all the blood and gore and stuff, that's a whole other thing. She does the blood design and all that stuff. So that's, again, this is not a a rom-com where yeah. you just follow two actors around, which, again, I don't want to make that. Um, I don't want to belittle that either. I, I look yeah. forward to making a rom-com one day, but like I'm just saying that all the things that we have to do in this film and accomplish and execute well to make Mm. it believable. Like it's a thriller. It's not a rom-com. It's not following two actors around. It's Mm -hmm. there's a lot of logistical additional stuff that again, I didn't help myself on my first project. I was like, yeah, there's going to be blood and there's going to be this and there's going to be that. And I just went fucking crazy in the writing process. So, so I want to, I want to ask Bruce, uh, just a couple questions here so one i mean you've it sounds like you're already like assembling people obviously for this you already have some committed some that have been putting in work to this you you mentioned the composer um how are you i guess getting the word out about this i mean how are you attracting people to the project it just depends so like i said before like everything is networking Mm -hmm. so actually who i met first the first person I met was on a website called Backstage where I was just planning to make this an independent short on my own. I mean, I'm still using my own cash for the project regardless, but it was going to be a much smaller budget and much more independent. And, you know, I didn't really care about the aesthetic approach too much. And I was gonna, just going to shoot it here in Portland with like local actors and local people. So I put out a casting call on Backstage.com. Mm -hmm. And I found the makeup artist from Boba Fett, like I was talking about. And she was like, hey, I know an actress. Um, She sends me the IMDB link of the actress. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, and then she was like, yeah, just send her the script and she'll let you know if she's interested. And then like Ellie got back with me in like a week or whatever. And was like, yeah, I'm on. Let's do it. Is, so is that now, just, I've I've heard of that website before. Um, I, I I haven't really poked around on it myself, but I mean, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like there's obviously an active community on there of people that are trying to kind of look out for yeah. one another, so to speak. Did Did you feel like that was the case with that? It's a mix of people, you know, like it's people that will post like one selfie from their iPhone instead of an actual professional headshot and have no experience they're just looking to break in which is fine and then there's like but then there's also sag actors and actresses on it that are struggling for work so like yeah like it's a mix of people like you don't know what you're gonna get on there and i feel i feel like so much of the filmmaking process bruce like there are there are elements of it that for lack of a better word just boil down to pure luck 
you know, like who's happening to yeah. be on that day and read it. Like there, there's so many things that are yeah. out of your hands. If, if everything works out for me and I end up, you know, being able to do this for the rest of my life, like a lot of the mm-hmm. reason is because of this project and, and who I met on in this particular few months, like yeah, meeting again, again, meeting Ellie is just like, I didn't intend to do that. It just happened. Mm-hmm. So, and now she's, because we're working on this project together and I respect her so much and she says she respects me so much. I don't know about that, but um, (laughs) because we're building such a great relationship with each other and I'm starting to meet more and more and more people that are super creative and thoughtful and intelligent. So I'm just, I'm starting to build my network now just on this one short. Do you know how long you're like, you're going to be able to shoot for like, like when you do get to the time to shoot. So we're shooting for five days. Okay. Okay. So it's a five day shoot. Um, and then post-production we're get the film will have to be edited and composed mm-hmm. and all the sound design and everything that will have to be done within the next two months following. Okay. Because, because we plan to enter the film festival circuit in August. And, and is that now, like, I, I admit, I don't know when all the film festivals kind of kick off and get going. They're but all like, kind of different, but, like, September yeah. is, like, the first big month, and then it's all the way through the rest of the year. Okay, so you're trying to get poised up so that you are at a prime position to be able to submit that there. Yeah, 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 exactly. Is there, is there particular film festivals that you're looking at, like, to that all, you would like to get it all at? Just all of them? Oh, can definitely like if i get in the can that's hot shit like i that's what i want uh sundance is another one obviously um yeah the toronto film festival turin um stockholm international film festival berlin um Mm -hmm. i i don't i don't i want to get into all of them i don't really care um yeah yeah you're just happy for the exposure and you know just if the right person sees it then you never know yeah and then that's when things get tricky. Like if someone actually wants to pick up the rights to the film, like, okay, just because it's mine doesn't mean I get to keep it. It might be that, you know, Warner brothers comes in. I'm just saying a name. Yeah. Yeah. Warner brothers comes in and buys the project and they're like, yeah, cool. Uh, we're going to pay you Mm. for the rights, but we're going to use a different director. Um, you're not established or experienced enough. And then also with Mm -hmm. Ellie, being producer and co-lead she might lose her ability to be on the project too so mm-hmm. i mean we're gonna have to get paid for that and right paid well but we can mm-hmm. end up selling the project and not being on it when it gets made into a feature that's a possibility i'd be really interested to see i mean and, and you know obviously i wish all the best for the short and everything but like obviously it would be amazing if like somebody sees it at one of these things and they're just like, Oh man, like I see potential with this. We could adapt this into a feature, you know, you know, anyways, the stars align. But if it does get to that point, I mean, obviously I'd love to hear about how that works. Cause I actually, interestingly enough, I was listening to a podcast uh, maybe like a week or so ago and it had uh, uh, David, David Sandberg on there who did the lights out uh, movie that horror movie from 2016. Yeah. Uh, his was a, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the whole thing, but like he, he made a short submitted the, it was like, you know, five, 10 minutes or something. It went viral, like on Facebook, I think prior to him actually like putting it in a festival circuit, but he, 
it was really interesting listening to him talk on the podcast because he was just talking about how he had basically, you know, won the movie lottery and that people saw mm-hmm. this and then, you know, they gave him a shot to direct and he never, <laughs> you know, never done anything like that and got partnered with James Wan. But uh, anyways, that I, I would just be I'm very curious about that process. It's it's very interesting to me. Yeah, that's how it goes, man. Uh, there's that. I'm probably going to get other details wrong on this. I apologize. But uh, there's a 17-year-old that I think James Wan just paid the rights to steal his idea from TikTok or some shit. Like, like and they're making a <laughs> yeah, they're making a horror movie out of it. Like, it's just mm. some horror thing he's been doing on TikTok, and James Wan was interested. I think it was James Wan, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm oh, giving I, you all the information. God, I, I, I just feel uh, ridiculous for asking just now, uh, what's the title of the short? Lapon. Lapon? Lapon, yeah. Okay. okay. So, and, and, so the, yeah, go the, ahead. In the feature, he goes and plays for Marseille in France. So they nickname him Lapon, which is rabbit in French. Mm, okay. And there's also, you know, the connection with the actual rabbit and stuff, so... Now, I, uh, this is going to sound silly. You're probably just be like, Jesus, like, what kind of movie do you think I'm making? Uh, d- d- does does the rabbit talk? Does it does it talk at all? Or like, is it? I don't want to give away that information. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Let, <laughs> let's let let's say that uh, there are definitely hallucinations of that. Whether that's whether that's uh, you know stares into reality or not is up for debate. <laughs> Um, well, yeah. you definitely, you definitely got to keep me, uh, posted on just as this thing gets closer. Cause I'd love to just kind of keep an eye on it and, and talk with you about it when it does get closer to fruition and just next steps with it. Cause it's, it's really exciting for you. Yeah. I'm super excited. So aside from, lucky. well, aside from the short and everything, I mean, like, is, is that like your prime focus right now? Or, I mean, you, you got other stuff you got going on uh, or, or no, well, I guess, uh, what do you, what are you doing? Well, I guess I should say it is my prime focus. Uh, but uh, no, I have an audition today, actually, for really? a role in a movie. And then audition for another role in another movie. And then I'm also applying to be, like, uh, first assistant director on other projects around here. So I can just get my hands dirty as much as I can, right? So, you're, just, you're just ready to work. <laughs> you're oh, just ready. Yeah, man, that's, this is all I ever wanted to do. Like, you now, like, you know, yeah. I'll put myself on as many projects as I can. I feel like if I ever, you know, made it, quote unquote, I would yeah. still want to do like independent projects, not even as director, just to be on the project. Like, because I love yeah. this shit. I don't, it's not work for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just fun. Oh, oh so, I get you. Um, I was going to tell you just offhand, uh, cause I know you'll be pleased about it. Uh, actually let me, uh, here, I'm going to, I'm going to grab it off my shelf quick. Yeah, <laughs> hang, no hang, hang on. So check out, so check out what I bought and I finally watched. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, what'd you think, man? What'd you think? Uh, it was, I, I gotta say PTA movies. Like I, I, I always have to sit on them for a little while before I give like an initial reaction just because there's a lot going on. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, narratively speaking, it's definitely like one of those movies where, you know, an average person might watch it and just be like, what the hell is the plot of this thing? Because <laughs> there's just a lot of things that seem to happen and not everything always seems to connect. Like you're watching this hustler just kind of go from one thing to the next. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have the the main girl that's trying to basically fend him off, but then she's kind of into him at the same time, and they're just going back and forth. And then mm-hmm. you have all the crazy, the just the crazy actors with like Sean Penn, like being. I don't I don't know if he was playing a real person or not. Um, but yeah, that I don't know. But I, I felt no, like I, real. Yeah, I, I can tell you the. I guess what I appreciate about the movie is that it very much felt like what I would call a time capsule movie, where like it really feels like it's capturing a very distinct period uh, in, in 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 history, especially like in like the the California area. Uh, and I mean, I wasn't alive for any of that time, but I just feel like there was a lot of very small details yeah. that were meticulously put out uh, in the movie. And it's just freaking bizarre, too. I mean, Bradley Cooper's character is like insane. <laughs> like, I I had no idea what like what he was going to do. Like he's yeah, he was he was crazy. Well, again, like PTA. Oh, but we should probably establish for people who are listening to this on audio and not seeing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we're talking about Licorice Pizza by Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, but, that actually um, would have helped if I said that. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, so he said himself, Paul Thomas Anderson, is he wanted to recreate this moment in his childhood that he remembers all these, like, like when he was trying to become a filmmaker or had yeah. ambition to become <clears throat> a filmmaker as a kid. Like, that's who, because the, um, the main actor, the not her, uh, Co- well, yeah. Cooper Hoffman. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Cooper Hoffman, which is, uh, dude, man, my mind's drawn. Uh, his dad's Phil name. Hoff- well, Phil, Phil Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah, his son. So that's supposed to be his, you know, character. Mm-hmm. That's PTA. So, you know, the the kid being a sort of, um, I don't want to say swindler. I said hustler because I like because I, yeah. I, I I get what you're saying because some of the things he does you're just kind of like I don't think he like he does not care like about this no. like he's just wanting to make money and, and go to he's the next sort thing. of a grifter in a way um, <clears throat> and I like that about it but um, you know obviously the kid doesn't want to be a filmmaker in the movie but he is playing mm-hmm. Paul what Paul Thomas Anderson considers himself to have been like as a kid and then yeah. again. They're just recreating these moments that he remembers from his head, like back then. So I'm sure you. It's I'm no, sure. Sorry, so go go ahead. No, it's no different than Steven Spielberg's Fablemans, right? Like where they. Just I watched these, that too. Yeah. These directors get into this phase in their career where they're like, oh, "I'm very nostalgic. I want to make something that embodies like mm. what it was like for me as a child." I know for uh, Licorice Pizza, and and I'm sure you could all you could relate to this part all too well. But when uh, you know the main girl, and I, I feel bad, I I can't think of her character's name. Hi. Uh, uh, well, the yeah, the, sisters. Or, yeah, her name is Al- Al- Alana, Elena. Yeah, Elena Heim. Alana Heim. Uh, <clears throat> The the scene where like she's kind of trying to see if she's interested in acting because she doesn't really know what the hell she wants to do with her life either. Uh, and he's just like, just say yes to, to everything. You know, you know how to like, you know, be a samurai. You can ride horses. You can speak this language. Just just yeah. Just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> say yes to everything. Yeah. Um, no, that's uh, I, I, I enjoyed the movie, but it's definitely one that I had to, kind of, like I said, kind of sit on because when I finished it, I honestly didn't know what to think. I was just kind of like. I don't know. Like this is a different a different movie. I think that's why he's my favorite filmmaker is because it's, it's just, certainly not predictable. Yeah, like there's something I, I I feel like he makes a film and he's like, I don't know what I wanna say, but I'll figure it out along the way. 
Yeah. And it just creates this sort of um it's almost like when you have a boxer that fights southpaw and they throw like lefts all the time and it's very confusing and bewildering mm-hmm. to the other boxer. I feel like as an audience viewer of PTA's films, I always feel like I'm fighting a southpaw. Like it's all just very bizarre choices and like unusual like yeah. I don't know. He's such an interesting filmmaker. I don't I when people say he doesn't work for me and I don't understand why he's your favorite filmmaker, I can't argue mm-hmm. with them because I understand <laughs> what you're saying. But at the same time, there's something it's an experience, man. It's sort of almost like yeah. it's almost like a spiritual thing for me with Paul Thomas Anderson, like where I go into his films not knowing what to expect. And every time I walk out, I'm like, I don't know how I felt about that. And then I need yeah. to think about it for a while. And then sometimes I need to revisit it and then go, mm-hmm. no, nah, he's a genius. It's fine. Um, yeah, I definitely, like I said, I definitely get the vibe from, from this movie about that too. And I actually, I, and we could, we could talk about this here in a, in a bit, but I've been in preparation for the Oscars, man. I've, I'm actually happy with myself because I've been going through and purposely watching a lot of the things that have been nominated that I ordinarily might not see. So like for the best picture winners, I know I've seen, I've seen now nine of the 10, like I, I haven't seen women talking, but I've seen all, I've seen all the other ones. Um, but anyways, I I'm trying to think where the hell I was going with that. But, uh, the thing I was going to say quick on this licorice pizza thing, and I'm holding up the Blu-ray right now. Cause again, the people can't see me do this. Um, <laughs> I still am a big physical media guy and physical media release for this thing is awesome because the cover art is gorgeous. And then there's mm-hmm. actually a limited edition poster that's in the movie that if I mm-hmm. want to like frame it, I can do that. And then a nice extra touch on it too, for anyone that cares about this is that the inside of the case is reversible. So there's artwork that you can actually flip to the other side and you don't see a lot of movies that do that today. And I always notice that PTA physical media releases tend to be more creative with their artwork on it. So I just wanted to shout that out there for the people that manufacture those. I think that's a way to encourage people to buy physical media, right? It's not like here's yeah. the box and the desk and that's it. Like there's some actual it, it is pain- it, it is it is painful to me. Like if I see like a really good movie and then when they do get to the physical release, it's essentially lazily slapped together like the Mm. film is not bad but it's like the the manufacturer of it just clearly didn't care and they're just like whatever we'll just throw it on there there's no there's nothing for the consumer to really kind of get excited about well that's why i like criterion collection stuff Um, yeah absolutely absolutely generally if i'm gonna buy a disc it's i'm buying the criterion collection because they put so much thought into their releases do you have a favorite uh, one that you own from Criterion? Yeah, so I had the Before Trilogy, which is three mm-hmm. of my favorite films of all time. Um, you know you're gonna you're that. gonna kill me. I've I've never seen it. You should. Um, I, I know I I'll, should, but I, I'll be honest. I'm a I'm a cheap <laughs> ass on this because every time I go to see it, it's like fifty sixty bucks for the three pack, and. I know like that probably isn't like a ton of money if it's like a really good movie, but I'm like, I just, I can't pull the trigger on that right now. I don't want to spend that much on it. I don't think I spent that much. I must've bought it at the perfect time or something. Well, well, probably the time to do it would be when they do their, their summer sale. Cause they do like 50% off of all their titles. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. Um, but it was just like, that was physical media I had to own because again, it's three of my favorite films of all time. And, I 
it's hard for me to recommend those three films to people because yeah. again I don't know if anyone knows what I'm talking about, but before sunset, before sunrise and before midnight, like these films were made 10 years apart with Mm -hmm. the same actors and you pick up with them and their lives like exactly 10 years ish. Um, And you just spend a day. Yeah. You just spend a day with them in their life and kind of like you're, you're getting reminded of who they are and where they are in their lives. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's fucking, oh man, it's beautiful. I mean, I, I I know I I know if I watch it, I'm I'm just gonna love it because it literally is unanimously praised by basically anybody that takes film seriously. Like everybody, yeah, yeah, I have yeah. not heard one bad thing about those movies. And 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 there are three films that you can't really recreate. I don't. How would you? No, that? no, like, you, you know what I mean. Well, Linklater so, is so interesting with that because I mean, everybody thinks of Boyhood now, which mm-hmm. I still think is a absolutely remarkable achievement. Uh, I I love that movie, um, <clears throat> but I, I'm trying to think uh, the the Oscar movies. I want to talk about that for a second. Uh, have you? I mean, have you seen any of the movies nominated, or I mean, any yeah, any uh, any predictions? <laughs> oh, I don't have predictions for the Oscars because they make so many dumbass choices. Um, well, it's, very, it's all it's a lot of it's political and there's there's a lot of or stuff. or it's um you know not the shit on the woke crowd, but it's also uh posturing. So like when Coda won Best Picture, that was just yeah. it's not a bad movie, but it's not one of the best movies of the year. Are you kidding me? I, I yeah. feel like they nominated simply for the fact of like well, it's about deaf people, so let's right. nominate Best Picture. That's how it feels to me. Um, it felt like they were just doing it like out of like pleasing the diverse, you know. Uh, it's all posturing. Think, yeah, I guess. I mean, what? Uh, God, I sound like an idiot. What does posturing mean? I've I've heard people say that, but oh, the, it's uh, performance art. Uh, they're ah, they're yes, they're performing <clears throat> for like this sect of Twitter or something. Like you know what I mean? Like. Oh, we got to make sure that the woke people are proud of us. <laughs> I do want to uh, ask. Uh, oh, I do want to ask about two of the of the movies nominated, just because I I know I could have a serious conversation with you about it if you've seen them. I mean, if you've seen mm-hmm. them, great. If you haven't, then you know we'll we'll move on. Uh, did you watch Triangle of Sadness? I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited because I I like that okay. filmmaker stuff. Uh, I've I never seen a movie. Stuff. I've never seen a movie by him before. Never even heard have of you? him, to be honest. But have you not seen Force Majeure? No, and I haven't seen that movie. I think he did another one called like The Square or something. It's yep. supposed to be really good. Never, yeah. never seen it. I, I highly, highly, highly recommend Force Majeure and not the Hollywood remake. I mean, the Norwegian where you got to read the subtitles like that film. It was the Hollywood remake, the one with like Will Ferrell. Um, yeah, and like it's like the, they called it like Downhill or something like that. I can't yeah. think of the title. Well, it's because the inciting <clears throat> incident in this film is a father, his wife, and his two kids are at a snow, a snowboarding skiing resort. And yeah. they're sitting at a restaurant, outdoor restaurant, next to the mountainside. And there's an avalanche that happens. And he ditches his family, just takes the fuck off, doesn't try to help or save them. And that is the, that happens in like the first five minutes of the film. And the rest is just playing out what this means to him as a parent, what this means to his kids, how they perceive him, how his mm-hmm. wife is going to deal with it. And then their <clears> friends <throat> that witnessed it as well. Like, and I'll have to check just, that out. It's hilarious. 
<laughs> when when you do see Triangle of Sadness, you should let me know because that's a movie I feel like I could discuss with you. Um, yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's a lot, there's a ton of a ton of nuance and like hidden mm. meanings behind things, and uh, mm. it's has a it certainly has a dark outlook on uh, power dynamics in society and kind of flipping the table on that. I don't want to say too much, but yeah, knowing uh, knowing Ruben Ruben Uslan <clears throat> as a director, that is not surprising. <laughs> I had well, I had to really. It's it was kind of similar to like I said, uh, not in the same vein of like a licorice pizza, but after I watched it, I kind of had to like noodle on it for a little bit. Which to me, like that's always a sign of a really good movie is when you aren't sure what to think of it all. Like I, I really had to like digest that one, but I enjoyed it a lot. I think the square is like that too. The square is one that doesn't land for me perfectly, but it's just. It's very thought provoking, and he—that's just him as a director at this point. So, yeah, did you? That's why I'm ex- um, did you see Tar? I did. Uh, what do you think of that? Obviously, Kate Blanchett is. Man, if she's not the best actress in the world, she's close to it, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, she's very, I, very I, talented. She's so fucking incredible in that movie. But I just wish that performance was in a slightly better film. Um, I feel like, and again, it's not a, it's a good movie, mm-hmm. but it's about 20 minutes too long. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't know why that movie's three hours long or however long it is. It was, uh, Doesn't it was a need to be, it was a chore to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's that first 20 minutes where she's on like a live podcast show or whatever the hell well, that they're is. doing it's a it's a well whatever the format is i know it's an interview for the new york times yeah like we don't need all that like i don't think that added much to the film honestly it lets you know about her and her personality and how she mm-hmm. wants her you know her being posturing or performative like mm-hmm. going back to that word yeah <laughs> she's clearly posturing and like trying to say all this I don't know, highfalutin, like thought provoking shit. And she's ridiculous. So like that's that sets up like who she is. So that's cool. Yeah. But I I felt like I got that in other parts of the movie. I didn't need all that. Mm-hmm. So again, it's just an overlong, overstuffed film. But yeah. it, but I do recommend seeing it anyways because it's packing a lot of ideas and it doesn't go where you think it's gonna go. Um I yeah, I can say with with Tar and uh Honestly, on Triangle of Sadness, I I actually did think both movies, literally the same thing you said, you could have shaved off 20 minutes and still probably gotten like a really good movie out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the thing with Tar is like, yeah, Kate Blanchett, I thought she was good. I won't lie, like for myself, there were times where the pace of things was, it, it, I wasn't really always interested in parts where I think I should have been interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I at least appreciated the conversation that stems from the movie which at least to me uh was kind of having a commentary about cancel culture um when you reach a position of influence like what is your responsibility on others is there a responsibility do you just get away with stuff because you're you know held on this pedestal like there's there was interesting commentary about that so i I appreciated it on that level no it's a good movie it's just again it's just overstuffed and too long um yeah even the stuff about her psychosis i loved um mm-hmm. like where she hears someone yelling in the woods and goes to like seek out what's happening and then you realize she's kind of so <laughs> i i know i love all that stuff like it's not it's not a bad movie 
I liked mm-hmm. it a lot. And uh, again, her performance is incredible. Uh, worth seeing just for her. So yeah. Will you uh, will you watch the Oscars when they come on? Or are you just kind of like ah, I'll just see the highlights or whatever? <laughs> oh man, I think last year fucked it up for me. I think the Will Smith thing, like I just don't say, know what, what happened last. It. What happened last year? It's perfectly normal show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, that, it was embarrassing. Just, <clears throat> it was embarrassing, and it's just gotten to be, you know, every year the Oscars they're trying to sort out how they can get more viewers. It's yeah. almost like a, it's like a stock option, you know. How uh, we've maximized everything we can do for our customers, but how are we going to squeeze an extra penny out of them? So mm-hmm. we've gotten to a point where the Oscars, like they're playing actors off the stage when they're accepting their awards like a minute in because heaven forbid you know <clears throat> we, lo- yeah. we lose a couple of audience members because the speech is going on for too long like dude yeah. they work, work their asses off mm-hmm. this is their annual award show like let it just yeah. let it be like people don't want to watch they don't want to watch so yeah just let it i i, 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 I think know, I, I mean, well, one, I'll tell you, I have a whole podcast that I'm going to be doing on the Oscars. I'll, I'll do like a thing that, you know, talks about all the movies that are nominated, because as I said, I've been watching them. I'll do something that talks about it afterwards. But I will absolutely agree with you and say that uh, the way that they are kind of staged right now, I feel like, how do I say this politely? <laughs> it might not be a polite way. Um I, th- I think sometimes, like, they forget what that award show is for, like, the people that are organizing it or, like, the people that are putting it on. Like, yes, you need eyes to watch it and, like, you, you want to get exposure on films that don't necessarily get it in mass, you know. Um, I, I understand that. But I really, I re- I'm like you. I get upset when I see them, you know, play, like, the, the takeoff music, like, get out of here. Like this is for like this is like their Super Bowl, you know. Yeah, like th- th- this exactly. is like the upper echelon of like this is them being recognized by their peers that they have you know done something incredible with their work. And if the casual moviegoer doesn't like it, well, so be it. Like you said, mm-hmm. like it's it's not for them. It is for the industry. It is for peers in the industry. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And so I, I could care. It. I could care less if it's really long because if it's good, it's good. But then I think this is the point I was trying to arrive at, which is I just sometimes wish the award ceremonies would really just celebrate film more. They they get too caught up in like the red carpet and like, ooh, someone said like this racy thing on stage or, you know, this happened behind the scenes. It's like celebrate the work, celebrate the art. Like that's <laughs> what I watch that for is to discover new movies that I might not have heard of, see people emotional over all the hard work they put into it. Like I don't need all this extra crap. Like I, I, yeah, I just I want know. to appreciate the work. Yeah, exactly. And it's about exposing people to films that they might not otherwise see because they're more mm. interested in seeing plain. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, which again, I, I like playing. It's fine, but I never saw it. Was it actually decent? It's actually decent. It's stupid fun. It's just stupid fun. Like it's a good popcorn movie. I think they it's said like, they're making a sequel to it already. Yeah, and it's called Ship. <laughs> <laughs> of, 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 of course, it's another one-word title. <laughs> no, I love it. Like they know what they are, they know what they have, and they know what they're doing. Yeah, like, it's totally fine. But it's not Oscar-worthy. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean. So like yeah, but most people don't seek out 
we we know that Oscars actually have an impact on what people see. Like that's just oh, a fact. Absolutely. Yeah. So like the fact that things are getting Oscar noms and stuff like that, that does matter. It does get eyeballs on things that would not otherwise get eyeballs on. It's kind of mm. hard to recommend to <clears throat> your, your neighbor that wants to see like two or three films a year. Oh, go watch Tar. Like that's not what yeah. they want. You know what I yeah. mean? But the Oscars do have influence. So, but if you're just going to make a spectacle out of the whole thing and reduce the credibility of it all, then it's going to lose its impact on culture. So yeah. if you want people to watch outside of the context of just showing up to see the art be, you know, celebrated, have a quality good host on there and not handcuff him. Like mm -hmm. Rick Gervais, like went after everyone in the audience and that's yeah. Fuck! Like I will watch that just for that. Like so, mm -hmm. if you want to, if you want people to show up and watch, do that. Don't do the other shit. Like you know what I mean? I don't need all mm -hmm. that. Yeah, <laughs> I I know uh, something else I hear about just from general moviegoers and whatnot is that oh uh, you know like you know Star Wars uh, Star Wars will never win Best Picture or like the Marvel movie will never you know like a big popular movie will never be celebrated like it, they'll always pick some artsy fartsy thing that you know is pretentious and blah 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 I don't agree with that because no. again kind of going back to who the Oscars is catered towards which is the people that are serious about film the people that do this for their livelihood their careers um, to me, the best movies that get nominated and get recognized for Oscars are movies that are furthering the medium. They are adding to a conversation, you know, they are, um, they're changing the game, you know, they're, they're doing things that other movies don't do. I mean, why would I want a mass populist film to get nominated when this filmmaker is being brave and doing this or that and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So I, I, I never take offense to like. Oh, the the big the big two hundred million dollar movie didn't get enough love. I'm like, that's that that's not what it's about. Like, it gets enough yeah. love by the box office. So it, and that movie's it fine. The Oscar <laughs> attention. It doesn't need the Oscar <laughs> no. attention. It's already like if you're the fact that you're bringing it up is already like you know what I mean. Exactly. And also, it's not it's not true anyways because Heath Ledger's the um, Joker performance in The yeah. Dark Knight. He got yeah. an Oscar nomination for that. There's um, plenty of examples. You, he may have even won. I can't. Yeah, remember. he did. Yeah, he won. Yeah, Wait. he won. Mm -hmm. And then I believe the Batman has a few different nominations this yep. year. One I so, actually, sorry, one I actually go back to as far as what I consider a populist film that crushed it at the Oscars was Mad Max Fury Road. Yes. Fuck that, that movie. Awesome. Ab that movie absolutely <laughs> was nominated for. I think it was nominated for like 10, 10 Oscars or something. It as cleaned it up at least be. like seven, I think. Yeah, as it should be, man. That and that's a popular movie, incredible. right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mass appeal, like broad. I, I, like, are you gonna yeah. see? Uh, are you gonna see Furiosa, the the prequel? Oh, I yeah. think it. I think oh, it yeah. comes out. It might come out this year. I know no, on on your Taylor Joy's in her, and yeah, George Miller, of course. Isn't it wild? I'll I'll start wrapping this up soon, but isn't no, it wild? Good. George George Miller is is such a wild character to me because I'm like, you got the guy that has the brains to pull off Mad Max and yet do Babe, at, at, like at the same time and like Happy Feet. I'm like, talk about range. Well, it goes back to what I was saying. Like, <clears throat> hey man, if I'm ever fortunate and recognized as talented enough to have a film career, like. 
Yeah. I'm still going to be on local projects and shit just because I like making movies. I don't give a fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I may write in a certain way and have a certain, you know, niche that I want to carve out for the things that I'm actually putting my director's name on. Yeah. Um, you know, the A24 hat says it all. But like, at, <laughs> the but A24 at the same hat time, says it all. But at the same time, like, I love all movies. I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, it doesn't have yeah. to be one specific thing. It doesn't have to be one genre of movie. I like it all. No. I don't care. There's no such thing as one size fits all with, no. with content like that. No way. No, and I feel the same way about music. Like, I listen to a lot of indie rock, but then uh, people will hear me listening to Miley Cyrus and be like, what the fuck are you listening to? And I'm like, dude, I like all music. I don't give a fuck. Like, just, yeah, I, I just want to have fun. Life is short, dude. It's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's very exciting to me when I see a director of, of any real stature. I mean, usually the ones that have kind of produced a certain line of content, they get recognized for when they make this switch the most, but like a George Miller, I just think it's so great when someone who's known predominantly for one thing is like, oh, I'm going to completely do this genre that you would never in a million years associate me with. Yeah. Uh, no, I know they've like they've joked. Uh, they've joked for a while. I don't I don't honestly think it'll ever happen. But like they joke that Tarantino one day would do a Star Trek movie. Uh, and like thinking about that, maybe. it's just like, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe you never know. Um, mm. But I I just love it when people are adventurous and they're just they appreciate all different types of genres and they just want to lend their voice to a particular side of it. And it's like, who cares? Like if they got not even their voice, they just want to be like on a project. Who cares? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, I'm not the director. I'm just here. Like, so you do what you are <laughs> going to do and I'm just going to help. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's how I see my career going regardless of what happens. Like, and also mm -hmm. another thing is too, like all of us have kids and family that we want to entertain. So yeah. it's not, it's not just the quote unquote artsy fartsy stuff. Like, yeah, it's, I hate, like, I hate that expression. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Sorry. Um, yeah, you're but, good. You're good. <laughs> let me say pretentious stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not just about that. Like some of us have a five-year-old that we want to make a movie for. And like, so they can yeah. like, you know, spike up their, you know, imagination and spark something with them. Like, it's not just about yeah. pretension. <clears throat> No, and I mean, filmmakers too, uh, you know, they, how do I say this? It's like, you know, they say like, I've heard the expression, like write what you know and, and things like that for people that write and direct their own stuff. But uh, you change through life. I mean, Bruce, like the person you are right now in 10 years from now, you probably won't be this guy. You'll be in a different place in your life and you'll have different interests that hopefully in the, in the medium of film, you'll get a stick in and, and put that into. And I think that's awesome when you're just, authentic to yourself in that moment in your life yeah absolutely even if it's embarrassing in 10 years because you know <laughs> the bangs the bangs were a bad choice becky but it's okay <laughs> we had the uh, photos we're gonna have a laugh well i was gonna say i i'm actually gonna i'll probably start to wrap this up here but it was it was cool talking with you i'm excited for this short um just to see you get going on that because i know you like you said you um, going back to when you first talked about it, you started writing or you finished the full feature in October. Is that what you said? Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm just excited for you, man. Like, I, I think it's cool what you're doing. Um, you know, literally wishing nothing but the best. Oh, thanks, man. You too.
seriously, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, keep me posted on the status of the short and just all the stuff that you got going on. Seriously, want to keep following your your career because this is a career, right? This this is this is yeah. not just a hobby. Like you you are you are in this. I, I don't want to say it yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a. It's funny because I wrote a short about our feature about superstition because that's what the movie La Pan is about, really. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'm sitting here being superstitious, like, no, I can't say that because, you know, I'll fuck it all up. <laughs> no, you're good. I, but seriously, man, my, seriously, that's the luck. I, I can't wait to hear what happens next week.